Good morning, everyone. It's great to be with you. Happy New Year, because I feel like we have to keep saying that the whole way through January. So Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year. We continue. We continue. I love this time of year. I know that for some of us, we've maybe a love-hate relationship with January. It feels like the longest month, certainly at the moment. Uh, it feels like the coldest month. Uh, for me, the thing that I absolutely love about this time of year is it's a time for reflection. Uh, I love that little window that we have between Christmas and the kind of getting back to work. Uh, to stop and to look back in a year, to reflect on what has happened in our lives, to reflect on what God has been doing in us and through us. And then I guess for many of us, we start to look ahead. We start to look into the new year uh, and we see those areas that we want to grow in capacity. We want to devote more of our time to certain things, whether that be devoting more time to our family, devoting more time to developing a skill or a hobby, devoting ourselves more and more to the kingdom. And so naturally inbuilt in us is this desire as human beings to make resolutions. Now, if there's one thing that I absolutely never do is make resolutions, because for me, a resolution feels like change is a choice. Whereas the reality, as we all know, change is much more of a challenge. And so we tell ourselves things like, I'm going to get fit this year. I looked up, that's the number one resolution. I'm going to devote myself to more fitness. And so we make a resolution and we set out and we decide, well, we're going to run every day. I think it's absolute madness that we decide this in January, possibly the worst month to lace up trainers and go out and pound the pavements. It's snowy, it's icy, it's cold, it's windy. Uh, Strava, which if you've ever ran before in your life and you wanted to show it off, you'll have logged it on Strava. Uh, Strava, the app, they actually collect all the data of the year and they can see and pinpoint the resolution makers. And most people who make the resolution to get fit in the new year normally make it as far as the 12th of January is what they discovered with their data. So if that is your resolution for this year, just four more days and you're better than average. So there's something, there's something to hold on to going into uh, the new year. But for us, as we step into 2022, with all the uncertainty and everything that's going on, I believe that for all of us, we want to fulfill our kingdom capacity, that God has equipped and placed each of us where we are in order to be able to make an impact. And so this morning, that's what I want us to reflect on so that as we step into this year, just as Paul reminded us last week, as we're called to be people who live out faith, hope, and love, that we can do that in our communities and we can do that in a way that impacts the world. And as I was thinking about this this week, I came upon this verse in 1 Peter 4.10, and it says this. It says, each of you should use whatever gifts you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Every single one of us who have entrusted our lives to Jesus has a gift. You might be sitting there this morning thinking, well, I don't feel particularly gifted, but the scriptures tell us that if we have given our lives to Jesus, that God has placed a gift inside of us that when we gave our lives to Jesus, he gave us his spirit to live within us, to dwell inside us, to shape us, and to change us. That same power that raised Christ from the dead lives within us. And so we have a gift from God. 
For some of us, we might know exactly what that is. For some of us, part of this year might be a journey to discovering that. But it also tells us not just that we're given a gift, but it tells us what that gift is for. I don't know about you, if I'd opened Christmas presents uh, and Laura had given me a present and I opened it and it had a lot of stipulations as to how I was meant to use that particular gift, it might not feel like much of a gift. But God gives us direction that we should use the gift that we've received to serve others. That is God's heart and intention for us, that he has equipped us and placed us where we are to be able to serve others. And as I think about examples of people who have served throughout the Scriptures, there are so many people in the Old Testament that you can choose. Uh, But for me, I came upon the example of King David. There's so many things that we know about David. We know that he became not just a king, but the greatest king that Israel ever had. We know that David was a warrior, that he stepped up in battle against Goliath. We know that prior to all of that, he was a shepherd. But I want us to look this morning in 1 Samuel 17, because there's this singular description that David uses in his interaction with Saul to describe himself. And I think in looking at this, it helps highlight to us what it means to live a life of purpose, what it means to live truly for the king and for his kingdom. And so we read in 1 Samuel 17 from verse 33. Saul replies to David, and he says, You are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. David finds himself at the front line of the battle, but it was never anyone's intention for him to be involved in the fight. What we know of David is that he was sent on an errand. He was sent to go and check on his brothers. He was sent to to literally deliver cheese to the front lines and then to return with stories. That was his job. He steps into this moment. And no one around David really ever saw his potential. When we think about that moment, whenever Samuel turns up at the door of Jesse's house, and informs Jesse that one of his sons is going to become king, it's not even thought to go and fetch David from the field, because he's just the shepherd boy. All the other brothers are seen first. And so when the boys go off to battle, the biggest, the strongest, the toughest brothers head off, and David, well, he continues to do what David does. He's a shepherd but he's sent on this journey. He brings the cheese to the front line. He takes supplies, and he's sent to return with stories. But in his obedience, it unlocks an opportunity. He steps into that moment, and he sees what's happening. He sees Goliath taunting the Israelites. He sees no one with the courage or the capacity to stand up against him. And so David says this, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. 
The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. So Saul says to David, go and the Lord be with you. I love this recurring description that David uses of himself. A servant, a servant, a servant. He doesn't stand before Saul and define himself as a king or a warrior or even a shepherd. He defines himself as a servant. And as he serves, he seeks to be faithful where God has placed him. He gives this account of how he worked as a servant, and it shows us that the way in which David served redefined the role that he found himself in. Because as David describes this moment of being a shepherd, he talks about it like a warrior. He tells this story of, of being out. And if I'm honest, I don't think other people would have done what David did. I don't think other shepherds would have done what David did. If a lion or a bear came along and it took a sheep, you'd probably think, well, they're not my sheep. It's just the, the cost of doing business. You win some, you lose some. But not David. David goes out and he describes his battle that he has with a lion and a bear and how God rescued him. And in that moment, God was shaping something within him for the next season of his life. David wouldn't have known as he took on that lion and that bear that God was going to raise him up to be the man who would stand against Goliath. And one of the things that stood out for me that was really interesting was I'm not even sure that David told other people that story. Because if anyone had told you that story, they would have a reputation, right? If Sergi had wrestled a lion and a bear, like, he would be the guy you would go to if you're ever in trouble, because that's the warrior. And yet this is not a reputation that has gone before David. Saul is standing there and hearing this story for the first time. Now, if that was me, if I had killed a lion and a bear, I'd want to appear humble, but I can guarantee you if that happened in Woodburn later that day, you would see me walking through Carrick with my bearskin coat, my lion scarf, and I wouldn't say anything. I would just wait for you to ask, where'd you get that awesome coat? I'd be like, let me tell you the story. We would live off that story for years, but not David. David was simply faithful in what God had called him to. He was faithful where God had placed him. And so whenever we look at this, David's posture isn't simply that of, of a shepherd, but he was a servant. And he serves in such a way that makes him look like a warrior. And so he trusts in the God who has protected him then to protect him in this next battle. And so he stands before Saul and he says, this is who I am, but more to the point, this is who I serve. And so he takes that step of faith. And in that moment, Saul says to him, he says, go and the Lord be with you. Because I won't. I added that bit on, but it's essentially what he's saying. I won't step out. And so as David goes and as he takes that step of faith onto the front line, slingshot and stones in hand, he steps into a role that Saul himself should have stepped into. When Saul heard the reports from his own men down in the front line saying, he's too big, we're too afraid, we don't believe that our God will deliver victory for us, it should have been Saul that stepped up. Saul should have said, well, I am the king, so I lead. 
Saul has the role, but David takes the responsibility because he serves wherever God places him. He uses the gifts that he has been given. And so for us, as we look at David, as we see this boy who serves, who becomes a shepherd, who shepherds like a warrior, who steps out as a warrior, who looks like a king, we see someone who is faithful with the gift that God has given him. And as he takes those steps of faith, God calls him to more and to more and to more. And so for us, as we step into this year, how do we serve? Will we serve others? And to serve others, it starts with awareness, to live our lives with our eyes open to the needs of those around us. And stand by me, we have the real privilege of serving over 4,000 kids around the world to help them to become everything that God made them to be. And oftentimes we become aware of kids who have faced hardship or difficulty in their lives and we get the opportunity to step into their story. And we get the opportunity to serve God and to bring him into their story as well. A few years ago, I sat outside a little mud constructed house in Nepal and I sat and listened to one of our kids, Rini, as she shared her story about how her life, her life and her little brother Dev, how their life had been completely turned upside down and yet it offered up this opportunity for us to step in and to serve them and to serve God. I'd love you to have a little look at the screen. Hello, <laughs> Porto
पड़ी रहें मैं खाना पा खाना टाइम छाने तीन चार टाइम होस्टल में खाना पाइज मेरे भाई पढ़ना पा उ सब थोक पा खाना सब धीरे खुशी लगे कि मैं ये राम पाए उठा बना चाहिए कुरा मिन चाहिए मैं धीरे खुशी लगे कि मना पाएक में म नर्सिंग करना चाहूँ अगड़ी बढ़ना चाहूँ बढ़ना सक ये धीरे हेल्प कर दूँ भेजे कि मेरा लगी म सोचना सक सब धन्यवाद दिन चाहूँ धन्यवाद धन्यवाद Rini's story is just one example uh, of how, in the midst of hardship, there can be so much hope. As we become aware of the needs of others, as we're aware of our calling as the church. and as we step out and step into the story of others that we can be part of of that hopeful moment of those hopeful conversations through simple things of providing a home and some food and an opportunity to learn rini and dev's lives are being transformed uh, rini is continuing to pursue her dream in education and dev is continuing to do so so well in school just one glimpse of a family a small group a brother and a sister who are being impacted day by day as we get to serve them and as we get to serve god and for us in stand by me the last 18 months coming up on on 2 years i suppose of the pandemic has presented uh, its challenges but time and time again we have seen god's faithfulness Uh, in Ethiopia where a number of us have obviously been on teams with church uh, we look after over 1000 kids 1000 kids who come along to our schools where they have access uh, to clean water to drink and to wash their hands especially important uh, in this season where they have an opportunity to get two meals a day where they get their breakfast and they get their lunch and they get an opportunity to have an absolutely life-changing education at our two schools lives are being changed and lives are being transformed and for us it's so much more than being about just what happens in school we want our kids to know that they are loved and cared for from the minute they wake up in the morning until they put their head down to go to sleep at the end of the day One of the things that many of us who've been on a team will have done is we'll have got wood and we'll have swung the hammers and we'll have hit in nails and we'll have built beds for our kids. And realizing that the pandemic was going to impact upon the number of teams that could go, we came up with an idea. The idea was really simple. It was February on the floor that people would give up their bed in order to help raise our kids off the floor and into a bed of their own. We looked at it we've 80 new kids join our care every year teams going out normally build about 100 beds we knew there were so many kids in need that we launched the fundraiser and we thought well if we could get 100 beds raised last year that would be amazing 100 kids and their families up off the floor we took that step of faith and god in his faithfulness provided our dream of 100 beds was completely eclipsed in god's goodness 907 beds later every single one of our kids in ethiopia 
has a bed to sleep in. They don't have to sleep on the floor anymore. And so this year, as we step into February, we look at Ethiopia, we celebrate what God has done there, and we trust in a faithful God who will help us ensure that none of our 4,000 kids around the world will have to sleep on the floor. The impact of a bed is massive. As some of you will know Muhammad, I've shared about Muhammad before, in church, Paul and I, we went and we visited uh, Muhammad at his house in the very first uh, church team. Muhammad had a very, very difficult uh, childhood. He'd lost his mom when we were out. He'd just recently lost his dad. And one of the things that we were able to do all those years ago uh, was to build a bed for Muhammad, to deliver it to him. And I remember a couple of months later arriving to this little piece of paper that was sitting on my desk in the office, that it made its way all the way from Ethiopia back to Carrickfergus. And in it, Muhammad talked about how a bed made such a difference, how because of this, he got a good night's sleep, he arrived at school ready to learn, how he had come top of his class in English and top of his class in maths, and he asked us to continue to pray for him. Well, this year passed, and we got to celebrate lots of things. We got to celebrate the success of lots and lots of our students who passed their grade eight exams. And Muhammad, who you can see on the right-hand side of the screen, not only passed his exams, but passed his exams in the top 1% of students in the whole of Ethiopia. Today, Muhammad is at an advanced school where he is continuing to pursue his dream of becoming a doctor. And we get to stand by him, and we get to support him, and we get to encourage him. We get to serve God, and we get to serve him also as we help him every step of the way. The simple gift of a bed makes such a life-changing difference. As we think back uh, over the last year, the undoubtedly biggest challenge that we have faced uh, was in Myanmar. You may remember around February time last year, uh, the military overthrew the government. There was a coup. The junta who had led the country before took power. I've been out to Myanmar a couple of times, wonderful, wonderful kids. We have some absolutely brilliant schools meeting the needs of so many of our kids, and we have loads of homes for kids who suffer because of poverty or suffer because of the loss of family. It is a truly wonderful country. It was a country that if you asked me two years ago, it was a country completely changing. And yet the events of last Feb February have thrown the country into complete disarray. As people came out onto the streets to protest, as inevitably riots and fighting broke out. And when you combine all of this uh, with the impact of COVID and the shortage of oxygen and the lack of vaccinations, it's just been this, this ever increasing kind of pressure cooker situation in Myanmar. And so for us, we had a number of things that we needed to do. The first thing that we needed to do was to get our kids safe. Around some of our children's homes, particularly in some of the more rural areas, there'd been gunfire, there'd been bomb blasts. And so we instantly had to work with our staff to try and move our kids out of the towns, out to more remote villages, to go and live with aunts and uncles, to be that little bit safer. And when we moved as many of our kids to safety as we could, we turned to our staff and we said to them, now we need you to hunker down. We need you to keep yourselves and the remaining kids safe where you are. Just lie low. And as we gave this instruction to our staff, very quickly they turned around and said, no, 
And we questioned why, and they said, we can see the needs of so many people around us. It's not just us. As food prices started to increase, as food shortages started to come in, as the fighting, and the escalation of conflict, as schools closed, all of those things, our staff didn't look to themselves. They looked at the gift that they had been given to serve others. And so they asked us, they said, look, would it be possible to raise some money? If you can find a way to get money to us, we'll get that money turned into food and we'll get that food to families who desperately need it. And so over the last year, we've been working with our staff who have taken enormous steps of faith, enormous risks, but trusting in the God who always did provide, who always gave them safety as they served him under the regime before, trusting in him today and for the future. And so as they stepped out, they stepped out to serve. They took food parcels at great risk to other families. And I want to share with you the story of one of those families, Nga, who's the gentleman on the left here. Uh, he had lost his job as a tuk-tuk driver when the COVID pandemic began. He then went and got a job working in the paddy field, and because of the military coup, he lost his job there. Uh, and earlier last year, we received this message through from him. He said, again, I lost my job. In tears, I've watched how my children were hungry. It's so hard to see them have one meal a day. The Stand By Me staff know how we live. Today, they've come with a lot of food for us. Now, I have tears of joy. I am a Buddhist. My wife is a Christian. The Christians are so good to me. I'm interested to become a Christian because I know now what love is. So simple things, it's those steps of faith, it's that using what God has given us to reach out and to serve others, when we become aware of a need to meet that need. At the beginning of the pandemic, uh, our board and Stand By Me naturally asked us to prepare for some of the challenges ahead. I'm pretty sure if at that stage we'd said to them, look, a couple of years in, we, we plan to look after even more kids, uh, they would have naturally laughed at us. Uh, but one of the really exciting things for us as we step into 2022 uh, is that in Stand By Me, we're taking on a brand new project, uh, a project out in Kenya where we're going to be looking after over 250 children, a step of faith, trusting in a God who is faithful, trusting in a God who provides. Hopefully, uh, in the next number of weeks, uh, COVID permitting, we'll get to travel out and spend some time with our kids in Kenya to go and see how we can continue to serve and reach out to them and into their community. Lives that are being changed, lives that are being transformed. And for us, that big step of faith is knowing that we've 250 kids and 250 kids who need someone to stand by them to help show them that love in action. And so this morning, as we've become aware, perhaps maybe for the first time, or reminded of the needs of others, if for you, you feel like there's something I can do there, I can give up my bed for a weekend to make sure a kid has one for over a year. I, I can absolutely give a little of, of what I have to make sure another family in Myanmar receive another package, not just of food, but the provision that is seen in God's faithfulness. 
Or perhaps it's that sense of going, I know there's kids and they need someone to stand by them. I would love to sign up to sponsor one of them. Then please do come and chat to, to myself or Laura afterwards. But by all means, uh, go on to our website. You'll be able to find out so much more uh, or give us a call in the office just up the street. Uh, but as we finish, as the guys come back to lead us uh, in worship, I want us to come back to where we started. First Peter chapter 4. I love how this section uh, appears in the message, that reminder to serve others. This is how Eugene Peterson puts it in the message. Everything in the world is about to be wrapped up, so take nothing for granted. Stay wide awake in prayer. Most of all, love each other as if your life depended on it. Love makes up for practically anything. Be quick to give a meal to the hungry, a bed to the homeless, cheerfully. Be generous with the different things God gave you, passing them around so all get in on it. If words, let it be God's words. If help, let it be God's help. That way, God's bright presence will be evident in everything through Jesus and he will get all the credit as the one mighty in everything. Let's stand and let's pray. Father, as we step into a new year, uh, Father, we want to be people who give our lives so completely to you. God, we wanna devote ourselves to serving you and to serving those around us. God, our longing is that you will be the one who will get all of the glory. God, that as we take the gift that you have given us and as we use it to serve others, God, that our lives will point others to the hope that there is in Jesus, to the greatest gift, the gift of love and grace and mercy and forgiveness that we find in Jesus through his life, his death, and his resurrection. Father, we thank you that as we step into this year, we step into it with an unshakable hope, with an unshakable confidence in the faithfulness of you, our Father. And so God, as we go from here, would you help us to be people whose lives are defined by taking steps of faith, trusting you in every season, that you will build into us and shape us for the moments that lie ahead. God, that you would give us courage as we seek to serve you. In Jesus' name, amen.